And then if you can, stand with me as we sing number 38. things this morning. Um, it's good to have uh, Dennis and uh, Diane uh, Hazelwood with us here today. He's a missionary working with the uh, um, the troops out at Fort Leonard Wood, and he's talking about how many Marines they had here recently. And so if you've ever been out to that base, there's a whole bunch of Army people, and apparently, how many Marines do you say? 2,000 2, Marines out there. Wow. And so do be in prayer for you. Be in prayer for him and his ministry. It's good to have him. I encourage you to get to meet him and, and uh, ask any questions that you might have. Um, we also um, I appreciate. Um, yep, I forgot. Just tell me. No, behind you. Yeah, Andrea, who was hiding behind your head, so she didn't have to tell me her name. <laughs> Bail me out here. Uh, anyhow, I. Uh, uh, Andrea helped me to find this track. It's a good Christmas track. A lot of folks like to put them in your Christmas cards and stuff, so I want you to know about them. I got a stack of them in the back. There's many more. And then these are what we're going to use at the parade that we're going to be going to on December the 9th. And uh, so December the 9th, uh, there's a, uh, we'll work out the details as we get closer, but plan on, anybody plan on being there, plan on being there about 10 o'clock. And um, it starts at 11 o'clock, and so that's just tentative uh, right now. Not the 11 o'clock part, but the 10 o'clock part. 
And then also I think we got some ladies that were going to volunteer to maybe couple these with candy and stuff like that. And so has anybody ever done the parade in Monette? Does anybody have any idea how much candy we might need? I know, I'm just, I guess my point is, is I don't know how much candy to order. Okay. Lots of candy? <laughs> well, I kind of agree that we should hand it out, so I thought I'd try to get a little bit better piece of candy. But I'm going to let you all in a little secret. Buying bulk does not save you money if you're not paying attention, folks. And <laughs> so anyhow, uh, anyhow, we'll, we'll get that covered. Also, uh, do remember, it's a busy month. We've got a lot of activities. December 2nd, the ladies' Christmas event, 12 noon at Miss Lisa's home. And that's December 2nd, uh, the Christmas parade on the 9th, uh, teen uh, youth activity the evening of the 9th, and then the 10th, uh, the teens are going to have an all-day youth activity. And then it's not on the board here, but we are having a Christmas program on December 17th. If you need any information on those things, let me encourage you to get a bulletin. All right, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings if our men will come to receive those. It looks like God answered our prayers for our hunters. You're all alive. Amen. So praise the Lord for that. Brother Wade, would you ask the Lord's blessing, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so blessed to be in your house today, Lord. Lord, we just pray for all those who are still hunting, Lord. Pray for all those who uh, may be sick, Lord. Just uh, help them heal, Lord. Yes. And just ask you to be with all those who are still traveling, Lord. Lord, just uh, ask that you be with Pastor today, Lord, as he preaches. Lord, we just love you with all our hearts. In your name. Amen.
turn to a Christmas song, number 106. And uh, we're going to call it a Christmas song. Is uh, Really, this is the time of year where even the world is focused a little bit on Christ. I mean, it's Christmas, and I kind of hate the, the term, but we do celebrate the birth of Christ, and it gives us the opportunity to take and to tell that story. Would that we could take and tell people why Jesus came. I'm always touched with the fact that he was born to die. And so I just praise the Lord that he loved us enough to come give his life a ransom for many. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad that means whosoever? And uh, so let's sing about that. Tell me the story of Jesus. people to memorize uh, landmark chapters in the Bible. They, they help you to be able to find things. And Really, John chapter 4 ought to be a landmark for all of us because it's the woman at the well. And I was thinking about, you know, I wanted to, you know, kind of preach in preparation for Christmas and Christmas program and things like that. And this was just going to be our next text anyway. And uh, I think it fits in very well with, uh, if you will, the, uh, the theme of uh, Christmas and the message of Christmas, and so I kind of want to preach about the woman at the well today. Uh, in uh, John chapter 4, excuse me for a second here. In John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, uh, the Bible says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. 
uh, if you will, if he had an appointment. He had to take and, and keep this appointment, if you will. And I hope you're familiar with the text, because uh, we're going to take and go over all of it. But I want you to skip down to verse 25, because this is the impetus for the message. And in, and in John chapter 4 and verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Now, I want you to know this, that uh, they were looking for Messiah to come. Amen. We're looking for Messiah to come again. Messiah is the Old Testament word, uh, 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 the Hebrew word for, if you will, the anointed one, the one who was uh, promised that was coming. He was promised from the beginning. Uh, he was promised even before that. I was thinking about it. You know, the Bible says he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, meaning that even before God created any of this, he knew that Jesus Christ was coming. Amen. He took and he let Adam and Eve in on it. He says, I'm going to send you a son. Uh, he took and he allowed uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and others to say, I'm, I'm going to be sending my servant. Uh, he let Moses know, amen, he's going to send a prophet like unto you. And, uh, and so everybody was looking for this anointed one to come. Today, we, he goes mostly by his Greek name, if you will, that of Christ. When we call him Jesus Christ, we are literally saying his name, which is Joshua, again, Old Testament, but the Lord is salvation. The Lord saves, the Lord is salvation, and then Christ, the anointed one, okay, or the, the anointed one. And so, if you will, he is the one. And she said, I know when he comes. <laughs> I mean, she even, the woman at the well had this knowledge. She said, I know when he comes, that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he's going to make everything all right, if you will. And then, can you imagine the gracious words? By the way, the difficult words to understand when people have been looking for him for thousands of years, Amen. And he says, I that speak unto thee am he. What gracious words. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and to open your word today. We thank you for the opportunity to take and to sing your praises. <coughs> and Father, we do. We do sing of your birth, your life, your sacrificial death, your resurrection from the tomb to know that you have the power of life and death. And then, at the end of your book, you say, whosoever will may come. You give that great invitation, the Spirit and the Bride. And Father, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, and Father, that today might be a day of salvation. Father, we thank you that Jesus had this appointment. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn. We just pray that you'd help us to see uh, appointments in our lives and opportunities. Father, we do pray for those who are apart from us. You know every need for safety, for health. Uh, Father, even maybe for conviction, we just pray, Lord, that you'd move there. And Father, we do thank you for those who give us freedom, keep us safe. And Father, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord, that you give our, our leaders wisdom. And Father, do help us to be busy as we look for your soon coming. Father, we love you and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, this is the time of year when we focus on the birth of Christ and his first coming to redeem mankind. And, uh, you know, uh, they call it the holiday season or the Christmas season, if you will. But to be quite honest with you, it, it feels like the season's lost some of its specialness. How many of y'all have fond memories of Christmas time? And if you think about it, and I hate to, you know, I don't want to bore the younger folks, but I'm telling you, Christmas was kind of cool. And I'm going to get carnal for a second, but you'll understand why here. But I mean, there was just something about, I don't know, you'd have Christmas cartoons and the Christmas specials and different things like that. And there'd be special activities going on. We used to have these things called malls. You know, and there'd be a big deal there. And you have Christmas music everywhere, and there'd be hustle and bustle, and there'd be activity, and it'd be a very busy season. And yet some people could see through it and see that that was a very carnal side of the holiday. And to be quite honest with you, it was. It, but it, it did, it kind of made it special. It made you get excited. And, and I don't know, how many of y'all remember the first time Black Friday came out? And, 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 and please forgive me, but uh, you'll, you'll understand the illustration here in a second. I, I remember... Again, we used to have these things called newspapers. <laughs> and you wouldn't take the newspaper ever except you wanted the Thanksgiving issue so that you could get all the sale ads. 
See, the young people are just disconnected here because this old man doesn't know how to look up the sale ads anymore. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I mean, listen, the paper would be this thick. You all remember that? And, 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 and Thanksgiving would all be about, you know, eating and family and enjoying the, the things that you're thankful for. And then after that, you would take and you break out that Thanksgiving paper and see how you could find a TV for 38 cents. Amen. And, I mean, it was kind of exciting. I mean, it was, it, it was. I mean, you'd get up and you'd get up at some unreasonable hour to go stand in line to hope to save some money on something you didn't need. Hey, man. And it was just kind of exciting. Well, please take this the right way. I got to be honest with you. It was a little anticlimactic Black Friday the other day. Why? Because they don't have Black Friday deals anymore. They have a month of Black Friday. Okay, and so the, the deals aren't what they used to be because you think I'm joking about that 38 cent TV. There were people that would go armed to make sure they were at the front of the line. Uh, and, and, and my, I, I, anyhow, I remember one time that we wanted a trampoline. You should have seen the people standing around this great deal where we're going to get on this trampoline. There's people like this, you know. Anyhow, it's just kind of silly, to be quite honest with you. Most shopping today is done online. 58%, I think I saw yesterday, 58% of all shopping is done online now. There's no reason to go to the mall. There's no reason to have human contact. There's no reason to get excited about anything. And really, it's come full circle of when you take something that's supposed to be all about Jesus and you turn it into something that's all about commercialism and getting a good deal. It just seems kind of empty and kind of uninspiring. You guys understand what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying shopping is what made Christmas special. I'm saying it's what eventually ruined Christmas. Because we forgot that it was really, to me, it's about family and it's, of course, about Christ and his life and the gift that he is to mankind. Amen. And as we think about this, we, we see that it's been, this season, if you will, has been exposed for the emptiness that it is. Christmas season is not about shopping and gifts. It's about reminding ourselves that a Savior has come to deliver us from our empty, hopeless, ordinary lives. Amen. Okay? That's what Christmas ought to be about. Amen? And I want you to think about, if you will, somebody who is living an empty, ordinary, frustrating life. <laughs> The Samaritan woman at the well. Amen. I want you to think about what her life was like. She was shunned by society. She was no doubt poor. She had a, a job, you know, doing what she could. And, and she was so ashamed of herself that she couldn't show up when everybody else could. Or if it wasn't her shame, it was her powerlessness because she didn't have the ability to fight off the other shepherds. And we know that that was an issue even in the Bible. And... She was just living an ordinary life. Well, I don't, I don't want to talk about that today. I want to talk about an extraordinary life. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Okay? Meaning what? Meaning the kind of life that we can have with Christ. Amen? Because this woman here, she was, if you will, she was kind of like the, 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 the victim of her day like we are. Listen, it just... Nothing's exciting anymore. Everything is so crass anymore. And everything is, you, you guys understand, you all with me on the premise? Amen? And so here's the whole point is, I, I don't know about you, but I want to take and turn around and make it extraordinary again. Amen? Because if you will, uh, we see that, that right here, verses 1 through 9, this was an extraordinary day. Uh, Jesus was on a mission. Verse 4, the Bible says, I must needs go to Samaria. Amen? Listen, he, he was getting ready to keep an appointment. Any of y'all keep an appointment book? And, and there's some things that you're really excited about, amen? Now, I, the, the disciples didn't know about it. Even the Samaritan woman didn't know about it. But in my mind, Jesus knew about it from the foundation of the world, amen? How many of y'all knew that he knew about this woman from the beginning of time? And, it, I mean, listen, in his life, he knew that he had an appointment to keep. This is a special day. That's an extraordinary thing. I'm going to meet with the Samaritan woman today, amen? That's extraordinary. Jesus was on a mission to meet her. Think about how desperate some other people had been to meet Jesus. Remember the woman with an issue of blood, and she's crawling through the crowd, and she says, if I may just touch the hem of his garment, what a day that was for her, amen. 
This, realize, this woman didn't realize what an extraordinary day because Jesus had an appointment to meet her. He intentionally crossed paths with her today. You know, I want you to think about this, but when it comes to our relationship with God, God has to initiate the relationship. She would have never known Christ except Christ initiated the relationship. Y'all understand that? Now, by the way, y- y'all expecting to meet her in heaven? Amen. That's why he had an appointment. Amen. That's why he had an appointment. I want you to turn to John chapter 6. We're in John already. But I want you to look at verse 41. Verse 41. In this portion of scripture here, Jesus has just <coughs> Jesus had just fed the 5,000 men. doesn't count women and children. And we have already seen in Sunday school this morning that people respond to food. I will promise you this. If you're having a potluck, people will come. Okay? There's something about food drawing, drawing people in. And these people were inspired by the fact Jesus had just fed them. Hey, let's make him king. <laughs> he can do this. Let's make him king. And he, he said, I know the heart of men. I'm not interested in that. But he was interested in teaching them a lesson. Verse 41, you, you, you know the, the context here. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 41 the Bible says this, it says, uh, it says, the Jews then murmured at him because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. By the way, is he the bread that came down from heaven? He certainly is. The Bible says, and they said, is not this Jesus? We've seen men before, and he looks like a man, an ordinary man. Uh, take this the right way, Jesus is no ordinary man. He came down from heaven. Y'all believe that? Jesus came down from, he left heaven's glory to be born and placed in a manger. Come on now. So that he might live a perfect life, face all the trials and temptations of a normal human being. Amen. And that he might give his life a ransom for many. God dying for man. The God man dying for men, if you will. We see here, the, the Bible says that he came down from heaven. Verse 42, and they said, is that this Jesus? It's just a regular guy. The son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. There's nothing special about him. He says, how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? I tell you why he said it. It's because it's true. It's true. The Bible says, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves. He says, no man can come to me except the father which has sent me. Say it with me, last two words. Draw him. And so Jesus comes, and, and Jesus has come, and in so many ways, he, he's standing here, and he offers himself, and, and, and just, anybody who will come to me, I'll save you. And the problem is, nobody will come, according to that verse. Ordinary men don't come, okay? Except God says, I got somebody I want you to meet. And the Holy Spirit takes and draws us. How does he do that? He does it through circumstances. He does it through preaching. He does it through witnessing. He does it through friends. Come on now, amen? And he takes and he uses these people and he says, I got somebody I want you to meet. I want you to meet Jesus Christ. But folks, none of us comes to the Lord on his own. Anybody who says, says that they have, they're just deceiving themselves. The Bible says, if you will, further, uh, go down to verse uh, 60. Go down to verse 60. The Bible says, many, therefore, his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Meaning what? That a man came down from heaven. Y'all understand that? And the Bible's going to say here in just a second, when they, when they understood that, they took and they stopped following him after that. Why? Because they said, well, he's just an ordinary man. Folks, please take this the right way. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Why is that so important to believe that? I want you to know, folks, believe it or not, Many churches, and I, I don't know the numbers, so I wouldn't say this, but it's possible that most churches believe Jesus was just a man. Folks, Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is God. He's extraordinary. Okay? I, I'm trying to make the connection here that Jesus is not just a man. He didn't just live a good life. He, listen, Jesus Christ is God. Amen. And the Bible says this is a hard saying. How? How can we know this? Well, just listen to the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's trying to draw you to him. Amen. He's trying to, and yet some people take and they resist. Verse 61, 
The Bible says further, it says this, it says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? <laughs> Amen. By the way, offense basically means you're about to break the relationship. Okay? And the Bible says, What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Would that be a special day? Again, extraordinary if you go with my theme here. By the way, did some of them see Jesus ascend into heaven? Many of them did. <laughs> Not just some of them, many of them did, amen, on the, day, on the day where he ascended up and right before their eyes. And he says, I told you I came down, now watch me go back up. Now I've got to tell you something. How many of y'all, some of them like, I knew that. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> I think that would have been a special day. Amen. A special day, Amen. And so he's saying, listen, I did come down from heaven, and I am the bread of life, amen. Verse 63, it says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And if you think I'm just a man, you're in trouble because I am the God man. You must be born again. You must be born of the spirit. You must be born from above, amen. We looked at uh, Nicodemus a couple weeks ago. The Bible says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Meaning what? God uses his word to draw us unto him. Amen. The Bible says, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray, the, betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man, say it with me, no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all active in saving us. There's not a person in the world who has saved themselves. Anybody help me know why? Well, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but we're all just a bunch of wicked sinners. We can't save ourselves. It takes somebody special. It takes somebody extraordinary. It takes somebody like Jesus Christ. And so we see here that Jesus was on a mission. Why? He was trying to save her soul. Amen. The second thing that we see here is Jesus was there when she would get his full attention. Look what the Bible says in verse 6, back in our text, chapter 4, verse 6. And the Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Okay? Well, if you guys don't know how a, a, the Jewish clock worked, the Jewish clock worked when the high priest would go out, they would take a white goat's hair and a black goat's hair. And whenever the sun was high enough that he could tell the difference between the white goat's hair and the black goat's hair, that was the morning. And the morning began at 6 a.m. So no matter what time of day it was, when he could tell the difference between a white hair and a black hair, that's the 6, the 6 a.m. And then you went... Hours, okay, you had 12 hours in a day, 12 hours in a night. By and large, they were divided in quarters, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and then, of course, the twelfth hour is the next day. Okay, everybody understand that? And so what he's telling you is add six to six, and you get, it's noon, okay? And for our rendition of time, it's noon. What do you all do at noon? Eat lunch, okay? And what did he say? He said, I got an appointment, got to go meet a woman at the well, who is there at lunchtime when all the other shepherds are out in the field letting their sheep eat. She's having to eat there. Folks, if you've seen, a woman shepherd was quite often abused. Uh, if you remember, uh, that's how Moses met his wife. He rescued uh, his, her and her sister from uh, uh, the other shepherds and made it so that they could water their flock, they, okay, because, you know, might makes right at the watering hole, apparently. Amen. By the way, ladies first. Not in the Bible, apparently. <laughs> Okay, I'm just saying, that's, that's just not the way it was with those, with those uh, wicked shepherds, if you will. And so Jesus was there at noon. Who else was there at noon? Nobody. Get a hold of this. I want you to think about that. Every else, everybody else was gone to lunch. Matter of fact, even the disciples, that's where they were. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, the Bible says they had gone to find meat. They had gone to find lunch, okay? They, they were on a lunch hunt, okay? But Jesus said, I got an appointment with that lady, and we're going to take and we're going to have lunch together, okay? I've got to ask you this question. You be honest with me. Have you ever felt like the preacher was only preaching at you? Can I tell you that's a good place to be? It would be bad to say, well, he's preaching at me because, no. 
But I will promise you this, I remember times, especially when the Lord was dealing with my heart, I would sit in that pew and the invitation would come. You guys talk about, you know, holding on to the back of the pew and holding on to the hymnal and saying, get on with it and why does he keep preaching at me? Well, please take this the right way. God's got to get us alone. And I'll promise you this, when the Lord is speaking to you, it's like everybody else is gone. And it's just that special time when God is saying, I'm talking to you. Okay? Don't want to point at anybody. <laughs> you understand? But God's saying, I'm talking to you. Because I will tell you this, if you've never experienced it, I'm not your judge, but I'm just telling you this. There really needs to be a time in your life where you, you thought, you know, God's talking to me here. God's talking to me. Why was it necessary to hold this time? Because he would there, he would be there alone. He'd be able to talk to her and ask her questions. She wouldn't be distracted by her harassers. She wouldn't be distracted by her past. She would just have a conversation with the Lord of heaven, the Lord of glory, who have come down from heaven. You see, Jesus was on a mission. He was there to give her his full attention and to get her full attention. And Jesus was not concerned. And I, I use this as a modern term here, but he wasn't concerned about identity politics. What do I mean by that, folks? Identity politics today means this, is that we all have to hate each other because we're different from one another. Men have to hate women. Women have to hate men. Whites have to hate blacks. Blacks have to hate, have to hate whites. Uh, you guys, is that the world that we live in? And, and the world is continually trying to take, and so if you will, to, 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 to the world. She was a Samaritan. We don't have anything to do with them. They're, they're half-breeds. They're half-mixed. They're, 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 their race is mixed, and their religion is mixed, and they don't even worship right, and, and, and God's done with them. Except there's a problem here. God's sitting at a well talking to a woman right now. And all of that is out the door. Okay? You see, mankind is divided by race and religion and color and nationality. And you know what Jesus sees? Jesus sees a lost soul in need of salvation. You remember how when they were selecting David and he says, man, you're looking at at his looks and the height of his stature. Don't look at that because God looks on the, on the heart. And you know what the Lord knew about the Samaritan woman? The Lord knew that this woman, despite all her problems, had a heart to believe. And he says, I got an appointment with her. I got an appointment with her. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm glad for the day God had an appointment with me. Amen. I wasn't worried about who I was and what my family did for a living and whether I was popular or unpopular. I just remember that God was talking to me. What a privilege. Amen. This was one extraordinary day. Jesus was on a mission. He had this woman's full attention and he wasn't worried about who she was. He was just worried about what she needed. Amen. The second thing that we see is Jesus is an extraordinary man. Notice what she said, her response, when, when he takes and he offers her uh, uh, living water, okay? And by the way, just in case you don't know, a well is well water, okay? And by the way, you can have good well water, you can have bad well water, okay? But living water, by definition, is good, okay? Because it's usually moving or stream water, fresh water, okay? That's the whole idea. And so he's saying, he's saying, give me to drink. And she said, how do you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, to drink? See? See, she understood what was going on here. And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. You'd never have to drink again. Oh, evermore, give me this water. Why? I hate coming to this well. <laughs> Amen? For a lot of reasons. Okay? And so, if you will, she says, evermore, give me this living water. Water where you'll never have to thirst again. And he's saying, look, I'm not talking about giving you living water out of a well. 
I'm talking about water that when it gets in you will flow out of you and it will be alive. That's what it says. That's what it says. He says it's going to spring up in you a well of living water. Amen. By the way, did it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. Jesus, look what he says in verse 10. I love this. In verse 10, he says this. He says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. Do you know who you're talking to? Can I just tell you this? If you ever want to get yourself in trouble in life, start a sentence with, Do you know who you're talking to? You will be humbled shortly. Unless you're Jesus. Because he's not a regular man. He's an extraordinary man. Matter of fact, he's the God man. And he said, if you knew who you were talking to. See, I'm God in the flesh. I was born of a virgin. I've lived a perfect life. I've never sinned. I've never been tempted to sin. Amen. How many people do you know like that? I know one. Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says this, he says, I am able to meet your greatest need. I was thinking about that because we've been studying the life of Israel coming out of Egypt. And after he delivered them from Egypt, a picture of bondage and of sin, of being lost. What was their first need after they got over the Red Sea? Well, the first thing they complained about was water. The second thing they complained about was food. And God says, I know what you have need of before you ask. We talked about that. Come on now, amen. And he said, I'm going to give you Elam, water, first thing. And the very next thing he says, I'm going to give you manna, food. Come on. You know with me? Well, think about this. He's saying this to her. He says, I know what you need. I know what you need. And when it came to the physical needs of Israel, Egypt, Israel, I gave them exactly what they needed when they needed it. They needed water, and then they needed food. Do you know what you need? You need water, and you need food. The only difference is you don't need physical water. You need spiritual water. Look what the Bible says again in verse 10. In, in verse 10, the Bible says this. He says, uh, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Listen, water that makes you alive, and later explains it as spiritual water. It's not physical water to slake your thirst. It's spiritual water where not only will you become, if you will, filled with the living water, you become a source of the living water, being able to share, if you will, the living water. And so, if you will, he said, I'm not talking about a physical thing. I'm talking about a spiritual thing, and that's what you need. Amen. It's also interesting that two chapters later, that's when he gives them the spiritual food, the bread of life, the bread that came down from heaven. Amen. We saw that this morning in our Sunday school. Oh, by the way, the Bible says, if you receive this spiritual water, look what it says in verse 13. In verse 13, the Bible says this. It says, and Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. Talking about the water she had. Amen. He says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water spreaking up into, say it with me, everlasting life. <laughs> Folks, some people like to argue about eternal security. We call it eternal security, assurance of salvation. Folks, can we just call it everlasting life? And God, Folks, that is so different than what the world offers. See, the world offers conditional life. I'll give you heaven as long as you don't mess up. Excuse me. But that's not what he said. I'm going to give you everlasting life. You're never going to thirst again. Now, please get a hold of this. Sometimes people doubt their salvation, but all you got to do is go back to where you got saved. Amen? Amen? Amen. And I don't know about the woman at Samaria. We don't know much about her after this chapter here, but she might have struggled. She might have had, listen, she was coming from a, a difficult past. And I will promise you this, if you come from a difficult past, a lot of those temptations, a lot of those trials spring themselves up on you again. You have to deal with them again and again. And every once in a while you might think, I don't even know if I'm saved, but all you got to do is go back. I know 
in whom I believe. I know he gave me the water. I know he gave me everlasting life. Nothing about me. But I know. Why? Because that's the only kind he gives. That's why he's so different. That's why he's so extraordinary. That's why our God is so awesome, if you will. Jesus is an extraordinary man. And I will promise you this, you can spend the rest of your life trying to appreciate just how awesome our God is. Amen? We see he was, <coughs> it was an extraordinary day. Jesus is an extraordinary man. And he had an, uh, he had an extraordinary understanding about her. Okay? What do I mean? Well, look what it says in verse 16. In verse 16, she says, give me that water, man. I want that. Woo! Okay? And by the way, who wouldn't? All right? So then he said, go get your husband. You guys know the story, right? Go get your husband. Well, I have no husband. Well, you're right, because you've been married five times, and the man you're with now is not your husband. By the way, how would you like to meet a stranger who just told you everything you ever did? And how do I know that's true? Because that was her testimony later. <laughs> Amen. And so the whole point is this, is, she, she, I mean, busted. You're not lying to God. By the way, if you're going to come to the altar and do business with God, might as well be honest with him. He already knows. <laughs> Amen. If you will, sin had wrecked her life. Why is she at the well at noon? Well, she doesn't have a husband. Marriage bed is undefiled. Marriage is honorable in all, meaning it's God's plan for everybody who needs to be married. And I give some people not needing to be married. Praise the Lord, okay? But if you need to be married, God is honorable to bless that institution. Somebody posted this on Facebook, and I, I don't like everything, but I did like this one. Somebody posted this, and if you did it, thank you. But they said... We've done all that we can to teach women they can do everything a man does. We need them to realize that a woman is not designed to do everything a man does. A woman is designed to do everything a man can't. Wow. Isn't that good? Please take this the right way. She's doing a man's job. Because sin had made a wreck of her life. She's just trying to hang on. She's just trying to survive. She's just trying to live from one day to the next. Amen. And Jesus, just so that she knows, Adam, where are you? Amen. Go get your husband. I have no husband. I know. You've been married five times. Can you imagine? And the man you're living with now is not your husband. Amen. By the way, I'm so glad for people like the woman at the well, the thief on the cross. Helps you to have good theology. Get these guys right. You'll get everybody else right. Okay. Sin had wrecked her life. And by the way, religion had failed to help her. Anybody know anybody with problems? That's about half. That means we know. <laughs> anybody here know the solution is somewhere in this book? Anybody know that sometimes there's a big difference between what this book offers and the religion that people are asked to follow? Look what the Bible says in verse 19, because she understood this. In verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I bet she did. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You know what she's trying to do? She's trying to start a, a religious argument. Deflecting. Amen? Of course, Jesus said the day is coming when we're not going to worship here, we're not going to worship there. But God desires to have men worship him in spirit and in truth, meaning we can go anywhere and worship God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on now, Amen? if you will. See, sin had wrecked her life. Religion had failed to help her. And by the way, she didn't need another prophet. 
You know what she needed? She needed the prophet. That's prophesied in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, where God said that he would raise up a prophet like unto Moses, but the difference is they would listen to this prophet. Okay, if they're going to get saved, they're going to have to. Amen. You see, sin had wrecked her life and religion had failed to help her, and her need was spiritual, not physical. I don't need you to lift the opening to the well, and I don't, I don't need... You know, let's say, I tell you what I need. I, I need a dose of that water. I need a dose of that water. By the way, one dose is all you need. Praise God. It was an extraordinary day. Jesus was, is an extraordinary man. He had an extraordinary understanding about her that led to her extraordinary conversion. I got to tell you, I... I love, and we shared some of this during our praise testimonies, but I love when people share their salvation testimony because one thing I've noticed is no two are alike. And if two are alike, you might be concerned. Well, seven of us came up and all got saved at once. I'm not trying to be critical, folks, but you don't get saved in groups. You get saved one-on-one. Didn't we just make that point? Amen. And when God's doing business with you, God's doing business with you. Who wants to be saved? Don't raise 15 hands, put them all in here, and have one guy pray for them. Amen. Why? Because they might have questions. Amen. Okay? They might need more guidance. They might have come because their friend came. Anybody know somebody has that testimony? I only came because, now listen, I can't tell you how many people you have to take them through the plan of salvation again because I only came forward because my friend came forward. Amen. God deals with you one-on-one. Okay? You see, that led to her salvation. Look what it says in verse 25. The Bible says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus uh, saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one. I'm the Savior you've been looking for. I'm that prophet. I am that seed. I am that son of David. Amen. And so she knew that who he was. Look at verse 28. The Bible says in verse 28, it says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the man, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Say it with me. Is not this the Christ? You remember the Ethiopian eunuch when he got witnessed to by Philip? He took and he said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This woman said, Is not this the Christ? She's a saved person. This is the Christ. Come see him. And by the way, can I tell you this? I believe, I I, I doubt that I would be contradicted about this. But our greatest zeal to witness to somebody is immediately after we get saved. Mom, get saved. Dad, get saved. Friend, get saved. Sister, get saved. Why? Because it's so real and it's so awesome. And you take and say, oh, I just want you to be saved. You know, maybe we could ask God, God, refresh me. We don't need water to get saved again. But sometimes we do need to be refreshed and to remember how precious salvation is. We see here that she knew Jesus. She witnessed of Jesus. And then, folks, she saw, and I'm using this word on purpose. I hope you're getting it, an extraordinary conversion. She went and she witnessed. You know who she witnessed to? To people who ridiculed her, who wouldn't lift the lid off of the well for her, that made it so that she had to be away from everybody at noon. When How many of y'all like eating lunch with a friend or a family when you're eating lunch? She couldn't do any of that stuff. And she went, she said, come see a man, come see a man. He told me everything I ever did, and he is the Christ. And the Bible says that they came, and they saw, and they believed and notice what it says in verse 42. In verse 42, the Bible says this, And said unto the woman, these are talking about the men that came back. The Bible says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe. Just stop there. Now we believe. 
Folks, she's a soul winner, and multitudes are getting saved. Amen. Not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. Mom, you can't save your child. Dad, you can't save your child. Sunday school teacher, you can't save that student in your class. They got to see him for yourself. And they got to have the same extraordinary experience you did when you realized that God was talking to you and you needed the water that led to everlasting life. And Christmas has become so meaningless. To be quite honest with you, it's not even fun anymore. And it's just because it's the culmination of the emptiness that it was in the first place. I don't know how many of y'all know this, but Christmas was outlawed in America for much of American history. Outlawed. Outlawed. Why? Because it was associated with all the wrong things. Well, please take this the right way. In some ways, Christmas is all about the wrong things today, folks. Would to God that we could make about what it really is about. The day you got saved. And the fact that they didn't give gifts to one another. (laughs) They gave gifts to Jesus. I think the greatest gift that we could give to Jesus is our heart. Give me thy heart. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's the day. And friend, at, at, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, listen, I'm not trying to be a killjoy. But I am saying this, boy, wouldn't it be nice if Christmas was about Christ this year? Amen. Would to God we could celebrate his birth and his life and his death. And the gift that he gave us. Because please take this right away, he doesn't need anything from us. Now we can give him some things, praise God. Amen. But let's make Jesus the very center of this season. Let's all stand if you would.